Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are joined by Sarah Poynton-Ryan from the Property Sourcing Hub. And amongst lots of other different things, Sarah's got a business that helps people source property, package deals, and also raising funds for finance as well for other people to be able to do the same. Sarah, welcome to the show. Hi, Rick. Thanks for having me. It's lovely You're to very welcome. You. Now, I know that um, we were supposed to have done this this morning and life just gets in the way. So thank you for being patient with me. And for those that are listening, Sarah and I were supposed to have done this at 8.30 this morning. But what I forgot was that today is the first day of half term and I've got children and I completely forgot. So my bad. So thanks for hanging around, Sarah. I really appreciate that. So let's get straight into this. You know, tell us a little bit about you your property experience and, and where you are right now. Okay, great. So, um, hi everybody, I'm Sarah Poynton Ryan. Um, my property experience. So, um, I got started in property in November, 2015. Um, triggered by, if I'm really brutally honest, I was really, really in debt by about, I had about 60,000 pounds of credit card debt and loans and other bits and pieces. Um, life wasn't very fun for me and I needed a way to make some chunks of cash, basically. Um, I was running a business at the time that was failing. I'd have to go back and get a job as well to basically subsidize my business because I couldn't afford my bills. Um, and I learned about um, deal packaging and strategies like rent to rent and things like that. And so um, I, in the November, 2015, I basically made the decision that I was gonna I was gonna do this property thing. Um, I didn't quite know where it was gonna go and I certainly had no idea or any expectation that what happened would happen um but the last sort of three and a half years i've had loads and loads of fun and now um i've got a, a collection of businesses that um build portfolios for other investors so we source um across the whole of the uk we source multiple different business models from rent to rent uh, right through to uh, commercial to residential buy to lets hmos all that sort of stuff um, and now as I, I guess my, my financial position has changed somewhat in the last three and a half years. Um, now I'm in a position where I'm building my own portfolio. We JV with investors, um, and we help investors to invest money in projects that we're doing as well. So yeah, it's been a fun oh, being a bit here, but yeah. Busy. Sounds really busy. So let's kind of recoil a little bit. Um, <laughs> why, why property? So what were you doing before? You said you had loads of debt credit card debt and I think lots of people you know that are listening to the podcast this is international it goes out to everywhere um you know um uh, lots of people are probably in a similar position so how did you pay it off lots of questions are actually I think I just asked you three questions <laughs> uh, so what were you doing and why property let's stick to those two for now so um historically I've been, always been in kind of a sales and marketing role um I was in recruitment was kind of the biggest chunk I did in the corporate space um, and I was new business uh, permanent recruiter and I left recruitment in 2012 to start a photo booth company. Um, I think I've always known that I'm not really meant to be employed by somebody else. And so it was all, I, I, I'm, I'm definitely unemployable now. I was employable then. I managed to hold down my job, but I really didn't like it at all. Um, I really struggled with the corporate environment. I struggled wearing a suit. I struggled not being able to dye my hair the color I wanted. It was a, it was a bind for me. Um, and so I decided in 2012, I was going to start a photo booth company, which um, for those that don't know, that is where we used to hire photo booth equipment into weddings and corporate parties and events and things like that. Um, and I started the company when it was like, 
it, it was kind of an up and coming industry. It hadn't really been figured out yet. It was very on trend. Um, and so the first kind of, the first year or so of the business was, was great. I really loved it. Um, it replaced my income in recruitment. I thought I'd kind of, um, I thought I'd done it. I thought I was there and I was going to have a business that was going to kind of pay for the rest of my world and the rest of my life. And it was only when I realized that actually I had no idea how to run a business. Um, I knew how to sell stuff. I knew how to um, get people to book with me. But I, I didn't, you know, I, no one told me that you should do your bookkeeping more than once a year and um, turning up to your accountants once a year with a shoebox full of receipts isn't the best way to keep track of what's going on in your business. And so um, after about 18 months to two years, it just, it became very evident that actually the business was not, not very successful at all. Um, and I, whilst I had lots of commitments to deliver the events because people generally book their weddings a year or so in advance, um, my the business wasn't making any money and I'd made the mistake again because I didn't really know how to run a company. Um, all the money that had come in, I'd spent. And so when it came to actually delivering the bookings, I had no funds for stock and stuff like that. So yeah, things were not fun for me. Um, I ended up borrowing on credit cards. I ended up kind of moving money from A to B, just trying is to- this, Is this how you got into that 60Ks worth of debt? So yeah, yeah, it just, it just kind of um, escalated. And so by the time I got married, which was September, 2015, we'd, I'd, the business had kind of managed to drill me into, it was just under 60K. Mm. Uh, and I remember one month spending more on credit cards than one of us earned that month. Like it just was not a fun time. Um, so I'd actually gone and got a job a couple of months before I got married. So kind of in the summer of 2015, um, I took like some consulting work, like sales and marketing consult, cons like um, working for a company to launch new funnels and um, new sales like strategies for them. Because it's always been what I've done. Um, but really... I was going backwards and I'd had to get a job again, ultimately. And I didn't want to do that either because I, again, I was still unemployable. Um, and so I decided I would find a way of making chunks of cash. And that's where my property um, started is that I heard about rent to rent. My first ever deal that I did was November 2000. Uh, sorry, I, I started sourcing in November. I signed the contract on the 23rd of December, 2015. Um, but then I discovered that actually you do need a little bit of money to get started in rent to rent, not a lot, but some, um, and I didn't have any money to, to do my second one. So I was getting leads. I was, I was, get, I was, I'm quite good at getting leads. I'm good at getting people to say yes to me, to give me their houses, but I didn't have money to set them up. And so, um, okay. So let's, let's just pause it there just for a second. So yeah. you've, um, your photo booth company and incidentally, you know, I used to have a chocolate fountain and I know where you're coming from here because when the days of chocolate fountains were really trending, people were like, they'd never seen them before. And then you walk into a wedding, they've got this massive, big chocolate fountain. And, and we had one of those and it cost us about five and a half grand and very much like you, we did really well, probably for about a year, maybe a year and a half. And then everybody else caught on the back of it and it just so difficult to yeah. make any money out of it and of course what people don't understand in as well Sarah is you've got to give up your whole day really haven't you when you're yeah. doing one of these venues it's not just an hour to turn up and then home you've got no. to get there you've got to plan you can't do anything in the morning no. when you're no. there you've got to wait there you've got to put up with all the all of the what should we call it the um the fun times when people are drunk and shouting at you yeah absolutely and, and they think it's dead funny yeah, and on top of that, you know, and I mean this in the nicest way, brides are not a great group of people to deal with because they are, whilst it's the happiest day of their life, they are super stressed leading up to it. 
they're super stressed on the day and they're super stressed afterwards for some reason mm. um so most of the customers i was dealing with day to day weren't very pleasant either which was which kind of just made it's it work tough. it is it's tough it's like gate crashing somebody else's party sober yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's how i liken it too because you don't know anyone there everyone else is drunk okay so you decided then to wind that up did was it a franchise was there something you could sell no no so it was mine i'd um i'd invested a big chunk of cash buying all the equipment in 2012 um i actually because i had the committed bookings i couldn't i couldn't get rid of the company at that point i had to just because i couldn't let people down it's never going to be my way of being and so i needed to get a job to basically pay for me to just not I, I decided not to take any more bookings um but i needed to roll out the ones that i'd committed to so um i got a job and i actually didn't end up selling the company until january 2017 um, and, and actually because my property business was going quite well by then i'd learned how to run a business i'd managed to kind of draw things back a little bit um it wasn't as failing as it was and so i did actually manage to sell it not for a lot um i sold the equipment and i sold some of the bookings and i did manage to kind of get a bit of cash out of it i, I didn't quite get back what i'd originally put into it though so right. yeah a failure in my opinion so then you kind of catapulted a little bit ahead when you said you started doing a deal sourcing and rent to rent and stuff. So let's talk about that. What was the seed that, you know, where did it come from that was planted in the property element? How did you learn all about that before you started going out and doing it yourself? So I, I guess like most people, I listened to podcasts, I listened to audiobooks, I um, went to events, you know, I kind of started to just to do lots of googling youtube watching all the things that i guess most people do um and i guess i just started to look at it and think if other people are doing this i must be able to work out how to do this um you know it, it, I, I have to say there were lots of people saying it's super easy and you can make millions of pounds overnight and yeah, blah blah blah. changes i mean people are still saying that now right there's still those people yeah unfortunately i mean i think the misconception that i was under at the time was that i didn't need any money to make these things work and that's just not true um and i think you know when i first started i didn't know what i didn't know so i was kind of failing my way to figuring it out um but yeah you know i, I got started in property one because I guess people will always need somewhere to live. And it, I felt in my mind that it's not really a trend thing. It's never going to go out of fashion because people will always need somewhere to live. And if I could make a property business work, then it would be around forever, provided I could learn how to run the business. Mm. Um, and also, I think we've got such a... Um, although I didn't really think about this then, it's more what I think about now. We've got a massive housing crisis. And I think if we can contribute safe form comfortable beds to people that need them i think actually I'm, i feel like i'm doing a good job you know what not everybody sees it like that though do they because you know the amount of negativity that landlords get for being fat cat landlords gobbling up the housing stock being yeah. greedy etc but what people don't understand is here that we're creating opportunities isn't that right you're taking one house and you're creating maybe six opportunities from one property so how is that a bad thing I totally agree with you. And I think, you know, there'll always be the people that don't understand what we do. And there'll always be the people who, for whatever reason, have been burned by a previous experience or by a bad landlord. And let's be honest, there are so many bad landlords. There's so many people that um, neglect to look after their tenants and, you know, let people live in houses that have got live wires hanging out the ceiling and water running down the walls. You know, it's not, I can kind of see why people think like the way that they do. Um, but what's a shame is that um, there is a definite um, 
there's a definite gap because I know a lot of landlords now and you know I know I've been in their houses and I've been in my house and I'd live in every single one of them and I think if you can apply the same rules and you can actually create homes rooms for people or homes for people um, that you would live in yourself then we're absolutely creating great accommodation for people, which is what the market needs. Absolutely what the market needs. And you're right in saying that, you know, people will always need somewhere to live. The way I see it is, I think if you're an undertaker, a hairdresser or a property investor, you pretty much got it. Yeah. So I think it's food, women's beauty and property. I think the hairdresser in there as well. Maybe when people start to get a little bit bald. Okay. So you, you saw property then as um, a way of, getting you out of the hole that potentially you were in you yeah, were I mean, no what was what was before this sarah so with this 60 grand credit card debt did you have a plan did you have a pay down plan or was it just something that was just there all of the time no i had no plan and if i'm really honest i um i couldn't see past the debt i just wanted to make big as big a chunks of cash as i could as quickly as possible so um in the january of 2016 is when i discovered packaging um, which kind of changed the game for me a little bit because it meant that I could do what I was good at, which was finding the houses, getting people to say yes, to give me their houses in the first place. But then rather than managing lots of tenants, which I didn't really know how to do at that time, um, and without having to buy the houses myself because I didn't have any money at that time, um, I could actually pass that contract, that agreement onto another investor who could manage the tenants and could afford. Um, and I got paid a fee for that. Um, so actually I was going back to what I knew, which was being a consultant and that, you know, acting as a middleman between party A and party B. Um, and I loved it. So from kind of the January, 2016, that's where my focus went. So for all of 2016, I just, packaged as many deals as I could um I cleared my debt into 23 months it took me wow okay so for those people that don't really know what packaging is can you just sort of break it down a little bit so they understand what it involves yeah of course I mean for me it's it's probably my favorite um because what you're doing is you're building portfolios for other people you know there you have investors generally who either have money and have no time or have money and have no way they don't understand how to identify a good investment from a bad investment um, in the property space and so what those investors will do is they will pay packaging agents people like me to build their portfolios for them so we'll say right this is my budget this is what i'm looking for this is the location these are the returns i want and then we get to go shopping with their money um, and find what they're looking for and once we've found what they're looking for they pay us a, a fee to for, for introducing them to that opportunity so we basically just act as a middleman in the buying, it's kind of like an estate agent, but mm. instead of being paid by the vendor, we get paid by the buyer. Okay, so they, they, they instruct you, you go out, you look for the property, you find something suitable, you manage the refurb and everything as well? So sometimes people do do that. For me, I actually don't do that um, because when I first started, I, I would have had no idea how to manage a refurb. I literally was winging it to start with. Um, and so I just got, I just kept it very, very simple. So um, I would have the offer accepted to the point that we'd put, we'd, we'd do all the structuring of the numbers. Um, we'd have a builder go and assess and quote for the works if there was works to be done. You know, if it was a HMO conversion, for example, making sure it's compliant, what the cost for licensing would be, etc. We'd put all of that together. Um, the investor would then take it from us and then they would roll and put the works through. Um, you know, there's guys that I, I train now and actually they do keep the um, works and the refurbs and things like that. It's really a personal choice, actually, mm. um, 
do it. You can keep works if you want. For me, it wasn't really what I wanted to do. I'm definitely not from a construction background at all um, or a project management background, to be honest. Um, and it was just little old me. And I also had a job and another business at the time. And so managing Mefurb was just too much for my brain to handle. So I just kept it simple. Um, and I, I would have it, the offers accepted and then I would hand over the contract for them to take it from there. Okay, so when did the light bulb moment happen for you when you thought, oh my God, I've just been paid, you know, my first deal, this is actually going to work for me, it's going to get me out of this hole? So January 2016, I, I flipped and traded, well, traded my first deal, my fee was five grand. Um, and if I'm really honest, you know, whilst I, I actually know that this, because he bought other deals from me, and so I know that it was a great deal. But if I'm honest, I was completely winging it at the time. I was kind of failing my way. I was every step of the way I was Googling, I was researching, I was asking for help. Um, you know, like everybody does right at the beginning, um, I did whatever it took for me to, to make that, that deal work and get it over the line. So I got paid my first five grand um, chunk of money um, at, at the end of January 2016. And for me, I was like, wow, this just, it, it just changed the game for me because it meant I could work from anywhere. Um, I was working and doing what I kind of knew anyway, which was ultimately sales. Um, and £5,000 was more money than I'd ever seen in one chunk. You know, it, mm. it, it was huge. So um, I, for, for the first kind of few months of 2016, I just carried on doing that. I think when I knew for sure that it was sustainable um, was when I booked, I went, so my first honeymoon was a week away in Colchester because we couldn't afford anything else. That was in uh, October, 2015. And then in June, 2016, we booked a second honeymoon, um, paid for because I'd earned the money that I'd earned. Um, and we went around the world for three months. So Andy quit his job for three months. I basically took the business remote and online and just did everything digitally um, and continued to trade property while I was away. And I built I build two deals while I was away. Um, £10,000 went into my bank and it paid for my whole trip. And it was really at that point that I realised that actually I'd kind of hit on something that, one, I enjoyed, and two, I was pretty good at. Um, so Sarah a lot of people will say you know one of the biggest things and some people that are on our programs come to us you know it's all about deal sourcing finding the right deals yeah. and very often people say oh the deals aren't there I just can't find them but you're doing this for a living you're finding the deals I mean is it a mindset thing um I think that, should I, tell you what I think people's biggest um barrier is is that they look at things like right move and they look at the asking price and they look at the number that's there and they say oh this doesn't work I think what you have to remember is we're all in sales and actually you can't sell anything to anybody until you understand what they need. And so what you actually need to do is pick the phone up, have a conversation with the person at the other end and ask them what they need, ask them um, how you can help them. And when you understand how you can help them, you can structure something that does work for everybody. Mm. So the deals are definitely there. Um, you know, I, I know they're there. Um, I work with lots of people every day now that we, we teach. I personally do this every day. I've got a team of people that source in my business. I've got teams of investors who um, invest money with us and do projects with us. The deals are there. Um, there's a deal in everything if you can get it at the right price. It really comes back to being confident, confident enough to ask. Most of the people that I speak to who say there's no deals, and I say, well, how many, how many offers have you put out this week? None. Well, that's why there's no deals, because you've not actually put your line in the sand against anything to start negotiations. So that's what I'd say. 
you know, I know this is sales, but does it not become a little bit demoralizing for you? Because at the end of the month, you wipe the board clean and you've got to start again. So rather than investing and keeping, so buying and holding and securing perhaps income for life, you're getting paid chunky money, it's lumpy money, and then you've got to continue the hustle. Does that not bother you? So, in, you know, if I'm really honest, I guess I've got, I learned from recruitment how to deal with chunky money, lumpy money, because I was a perms consultant. So I wipe the board clean every year, every week, every, every month. Um, you're absolutely right. And what is to be really, really clear, packaging and rent to rent and things like that, they're not asset building, future building wealth business models. They're not. They are, I'm, they're, they're the sorts of models that work for people who need quick money fast um, and big chunks of money fast in a relatively low input way. Um, that being said, you know, I love lumpy money. I love packaging. I love rent to rent. I think it's an incredible strategy. But now, as I mentioned at the beginning, those business models are not going to build sustainable future for me and my family and the legacy mm. that I need. So the sooner you can get the asset building, the better, without question. And is that something you're doing now? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm a buy-to-let landlord in my own right now. Um, I'm literally about to sign the paperwork on a three-bed um, terrace flip in Northampton. Um, we're, we're going through planning at the moment to build two flats in Milton Keynes. You know, there's, there's all sorts of stuff that we're doing now. But ultimately, the long and short of it, it doesn't really matter what property business you're creating. It doesn't matter what your long-term plans are the skill and the ability to build a property business is all based in the ability to identify good deals from bad deals. And that's, yeah. ultimately, that's ultimately sourcing. Yeah, absolutely. So what sort of legislation is involved in sourcing? Do you need to be signed up to lots of different things? Yeah. So there's some really simple, um, I say simple, there's, there's four key things that you need to have. Um, I think people overcomplicate this. I don't think you need to. Um, you need to be a member of the anti-money laundering um, or you need to be monitored for anti-money laundering regulation with HMRC. Um, contact HMRC, they'll tell you how to lodge your application. Um, you need to be a member of one of the redress schemes, so the property ombudsman or PRS, um, property redress scheme. Uh, they are basically the the ombudsman community so you can pick which one it doesn't really matter which one but you need to be a member of one of them um you need to have uh, public liability insurance um sorry professional indemnity insurance that is fit for broken property deals um or property investment opportunities um your most professional indemnity insurances that i see my clients kind of have they're actually not fit for broken property um so be really clear on um which one you go for um, and then you need to have the right terms and conditions you need to have the right uh, paperwork in place so that you are um following all the rules you know it mm. so the um the estate agency act basically defines us as uh, estate agency type work we just get paid by a different person we get paid by the buyer instead of the seller but what mm. that means is we have to run the same rules and work within the same frame as an estate agent would so mm everything that an estate agent does we have to do too you know there's a few agents coming up now certainly where we are that are doing a similar model they're doing and they're charging the buyer rather than the seller 
um, which is kind of flipping the market on its head, really. Sarah, what makes a deal? Because very often, you know, like anything, um, you know, there's, there's good and bad. There are some great deal sources out there. There are some great property investors out there. There are some bad property investors out there, and there's some bad deal sources out there. So what makes a good deal? Because, you know, maybe for me, I'm looking for something that I want 15, 20% return. Or maybe somebody else down the road is looking for something that wants 35, 40% return. So do you have like a tick the box questionnaire for each of your clients? Yeah, so I think if, if, if you're packaging, then a good deal is what your investor asks you to find them. Um, you know, some of our investors work on percentages. Some of our investors work on yield. Some work on ROI. Some work on return on capital employed. Um, other investors I've got, they, they just give me a pounds and pence figure. I want mm. this. It doesn't matter. They're not fussed about yield. They want cash, like pounds and pence. So you need to understand your client. Like I say, you can't sell anything to anybody until you know what they want. So there's no point me finding a HMO that gives a thousand pound a month for a client if actually what they want is fifteen hundred pound a month. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. So what is a good deal depends what your client actually needs. Um, your job is to go out and find it for them. And that makes it a good deal because it satisfies what they've asked for. And um, have you ever tempted to keep them yourself? Do you do that? Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, obviously I look now and actually if I look at the last three and a half years and I look at the deals that I've sold, I'm gutted because there's loads <laughs> in there that I definitely, if I'd have been more confident and been a bit more brave, I guess, I would have raised the money through private lenders and I would have bought them myself. But I was so terrified of being in debt and I was really scared of borrowing money when I didn't have any. And I, I was very respectful of other people's money. I just thought it was easier for me to get myself back to an even keel and then figure it out from there. And mm. now, you know, I get, I've, I guess we've got the benefit of being able to cherry pick what we want. We generally keep everything within about an hour radius of me. Anything that comes outside of that we sell. And that is pretty much our rule. So, how are things looking now compared to what they were three and a half, four years ago? So you went from having 60 grand's worth of credit card debt, not knowing how you were going to pay that back. How long did it take you to get to where you are? Oh, obviously three and a half years. <laughs> but how long did it take you to pay that debt off? So it took 23 months. So I paid the last £140 onto my last credit card in December 2017. 2017. So and how, how did that feel? It must have been an amazing feeling to you know sort of not knowing where it's going to come from and all of a sudden having no credit card debt yeah i mean i cried like a baby mm. um i it, it, i think i hadn't really realized and some of your listeners i hope you guys can relate to this because i want you to know that when you feel i was going to swear then i won't um when when you feel like there's no hope or you feel like actually it's all going wrong and it's all falling to pieces I get it. I understand what that was like. And I never really understood or never recognized how much of my energy that was taking from me on a day-to-day -day basis. I hadn't really quite recognized how emotional that was making me as a person then. Um, and I remember waking up the first day without any debt and I felt like a different person. I felt like I, there was this massive amount of space and energy in my head that it didn't have anything to go towards. And I think that was that was quite a, that was awesome for me. I have to say, I felt quite proud of myself. Um, I'm sure. I mean, but, I, I can imagine. Um, you know, to, to get from having no escape and no, you know, no light at the end of the tunnel, and then actually making that last payment, and all through property. So, if people want to get involved in sourcing, Sarah, now it's not something we do personally. Um, you know, we source for ourselves, but I know that you can help people enter into this arena, can't you? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got um, quite a few clients now that we've we've helped them set up their businesses, and we kind of coach them on going to. Um, to, to, to be able to build portfolios for other people, to be able to do things like clear their debt and just get started in the property space. Um, we joint venture with a lot of those people as well um, because actually, you know, we now have funds and if we can teach you how to source and you can become a sourcer for us, you know, that works really well as well. Um, so yeah, you know, I'm, I'm happy to help anybody that um, wants to find out more about packaging and sourcing all different business models. So how did I do that? How did I contact you? Okay, so um, Facebook's probably the best place. If you look up Sarah Boynton Ryan, um, I'm on there all the time. I'm obsessed with Facebook. Um, but if not, <laughs> I don't know what you mean. <laughs> anybody that follows me on Facebook will know exactly what I'm saying. Um, but, you know, we, um, I'm contactable. I've got, I mean, you can ring my office. Am I allowed, can I just drop a phone number in? Oh, absolutely, please do. So, uh, it's 01908 And that's probably the best starting point. Give us a call, um, you know, either speak to one of the team or if, if I'm in, then speak to me. Um, and we can talk, I, I guess from my perspective, I want to know what it is you're trying to achieve. And if I'm the right person to help you get there, then we can explore how we make that happen. Um, that's yeah. awesome. I mean, it's been, I mean, we've been 30 minutes in now. I know I did say to you at the beginning that this, uh, today's you know, podcast has got to be 30 minutes long. Um, I have got another appointment in one minute, so I'm going to have to run. But <laughs> in a great whistle-stop tour of your journey over the last three and a half years, you know, from being photo booths, at weddings all the way through to having £60,000 worth of debt to starting your business to persevering to the company you've got now and now being debt free so Sarah thank you so much for sharing that story with us and, and for those that are listening and want to reach out or interested in deal sourcing deal packaging Sarah's just left her details you can see her on Facebook tag her in onto a message or send her a private message and she'll get right back to you so Sarah thank you so much for sharing the last 30 minutes with us I know it's been a very quick whistle stop tour maybe we can do a part two at some point in the future i'd love to thank you very much and to anybody that's thinking about getting into property do it it's amazing it is amazing but you know what it's rome wasn't built in a day you've got to work hard you've got to get out there you've got to hustle you've got to make it work you've got to put the hours in to begin with but once you've done all of that you know you're setting up a business that is going to be sustainable hopefully for a long time to come absolutely Lovely. Thank you, Sarah. Speak to you again shortly. Take care. Bye. Cheers.